bailing hay Loaded in his reindeer sleigh He was sure to help And in a pinch Back home His hay was getting low He called Farmer Bob and Farmer Joe Then Joe told Santa Call old Richard Lynch Well Santa went and found His old cell phone He called and called But Richard wasn't home Then Santa said Hey Els I gotta go anyway then he found his old bib coveralls He shouted out to Mrs. Claus Honey, I'll be back when I find my load of hay He hitched the reindeer to his sleigh With the blink of an eye, he was on his way He had that look of determination in his eye On and on, all through the night Reindeer pulled with all their might And as the sun came up That old farm was a-coming into sight Well, sure enough, there it was Acres and acres of that beautiful stuff There was only one thing left for old Sandy to do He stacked it tall, he stacked it wide He strapped it down, good and tight And then Santa said, Rudolph, you know what to do Well, he wiped the sweat from his brow Said, I think I better get back home now Cause Mrs. Claus should be waiting up for me And then he gave me a grin and slapped his knee Said, thanks again and I will see everyone on Christmas Eve I'll see everyone on Christmas Eve Merry Christmas, everybody. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Ian Bush. And he has a co-host, co-host, which I will let him introduce at the appropriate time. Our guest tonight is author Linda L. Zinn. And the song, our opening song, was by a really good friend of mine, Richard Lynch. I saw Santa bailing hay. We have started off. The what I call the silly season, what the rest of you call the holiday season, with Christmas songs that have been written, produced, and performed by the artists that I have had or will be having on this show. Do not leave, t- do not turn your dial, ladies and gentlemen. It is not Christmas Day yet, nor Hanukkah, nor Kwanzaa, nor any of the other holidays that are going to be rolling around slapping us in the face because tonight. We are going to be talking to a friend of mine who I have sat by, talked with, commiserated with over the years at many different author events. I am proud to say that I count her as a friend. She is an amazing human being, a a beautiful, beautiful woman, fully empowered and not afraid of anything. When she's she's she you know she's one of my tribe. Linda L. Zern. She lives and works and dreams in Central Florida. She was born in Florida, and she was raised on sunshine and bug spray. She read every cereal box she could find. See, another reason I love her, because I did too. And every book she could get her hands on. And I'm sure she read War and Peace just like I did. When other people's books ran out, she started writing her own. Guilty. The Pocket Fairies of Middleburg, The Long Promise Song, Zippity Zerns, A Collage, and 50 More, Mooncalf, and that was a finalist for the Space Coast Writer Guild's Don Argo Award, Beyond the Strand Line, Book One, 
following the Strand Line, book two, and the final in the trilogy, Keeping the Strand Line. E-book, short story prequels, Puppies, Darby's Chicken, Storm Rules, The Story of Stone, To Heaven to Hold, Kingdom, Darker Roads, and the, I can't talk tonight, The Griffin's Glade, a rural commentary fantasy, and a 2018 Don Argo Award winner. Excellence in Florida-based literature, Space Coast Writers Guild. Keeping the Strand Line, the 2020 Don Argo Award winner, Excellent in Florida-based literature. Again, the Space Coast Writers Guild. This woman is simply amazing, ladies and gentlemen. So without <laughs> further ado, welcome, Linda. Welcome, Ian. Glad y'all are here. Well, hi, Yvonne. Hi, Ian. Hey, y'all. How are you doing tonight? It's good to be here. So, do you know, I told you before the show started that we do not do a scripted show because anybody can send in a line of questions and get a line of answers back, and then everything is is starchy and stodgy and and boring from the time you open up the line. So, tonight, we're just going to have a conversation with the three, the four of us, and 146,000 other people in 35 countries. So, what? 146,000 of your closest friends. So, <laughs> well, hello and well, hello and salutations. <laughs> so you and I have talked many, many times, and I want the audience to know about Linda. You were born in Florida. You live in Central Florida. You must love it because you stay there. And what is it about Florida? I moved to Florida. I got here as quick as I could. I'm a Georgia girl, but I got to Florida as quick as I did. So, so tell the folks what it is about Florida that the it's, there's not enough real estate for the entire country to move here and empty up the other 49 states. What is it about our state that is just better than anything else? I, I have to say, I, as a native Floridian, and, uh, you know, my, my grandfather moved here from Illinois, uh, Chicago, in fact, Illinois, and he just, he was so in love with this place, and he, he just, he talked about the real Florida. Now, the real Florida is, it can be tricky to find these days, um, Back in the day when he moved here with my grandmother, it was orange groves and wilderness and alligators and all of those fabulous things. But I I grew up on the Space Coast, and I'm thinking, what an exciting place to be alive. It was – there we were shooting rockets into space. It was the the beautiful – just natural flora and fauna that you find in Florida. There's just no place like it. I it is a magical place that just lends itself to storytelling. And you have tons of writers who use Florida as their as their settings. That is very true. And and the thing the thing about Florida is it's not the same from demographic to demographic in other words ladies and gentlemen in central florida i won't live in central florida because i might as well live in georgia i live on the coast because it's at least 10 degrees cooler and (laughs) i can get to the water in about 10 minutes not three hours 
but sure. the the beauty of this place, there's places that you can go in the state where you still have the moss hanging almost wow. to the road. Am I right, it's Linda? Gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I um, A couple of my books I've set in um, the little town that I grew up in, which is Geneva, Florida, and there's a park there, uh, a state park called Little Big Econ Park, and I, it is absolutely another world. You step in onto that, you know, the hiking trails there or the riding trails if you ride horses, and it is absolutely mystical and and it's just it's hard not to let your imagination run wild um i just i am a true fan of the state you and me both like i said i i got here as fast as i could i've been here 16 years <laughs> and i feel right. like i've been here all my my late husband when i first came down here he said yvonne come down here for a week because there's there's something about florida you'll either love it or you'll hate it there's no in between right. you don't like it you're either going to hate it with passion and can't wait to leave, or you're going to love it so much that every time you leave, you can't wait to get back. Right. And he was right. No, I I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I just I like to tell people that I I uh, uh, enjoy two two seasons, hot and hotter. Um, <laughs> I the cold the cold is for other people. It is not for me, and um, I just. You know, and, and one of the things that's so fun is that when you do fly into Florida and you just look at it as opposed to all the other states, you know, or most of the states, it's just water everywhere. There is just, it's just water and lakes and ponds and rivers and oceans and and water is just, I don't know, it, you know, people talk about it being so hot and I'm like, get in the water. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, the water... Um, is mesmerizing. It it yes. You can't get enough of it. Yeah, and and it it does it it speaks to us, doesn't it? it and does. I and you know, in the springs, the freshwater springs are are particularly amazing, and and um, you know, seventy two degrees year round, no matter what. I can you know as at my my when I had my kids were little, we would go to the springs on Christmas Day and swim. <laughs> And swim. It could be, you know, forty outside, but boy, in the water it was seventy-two, and it was it was a big tradition. So we had a lot of fun doing that. Do you find that when you go over to the to the beach and you just sit there, and because like you you were raised on the on the space on the space coast, and right. you sit there and you just watch the ocean to and fro and the ebb and flow, and it's like she's talking to you because you know. The yeah. ocean has so many stories, and she does right. not give up those stories easily. Right. I like that. I like that that thinking because isn't that the truth? And how and how the ocean has connected uh, connected mankind, you know, mm-hmm. people to each other, and how we have come to each other first on, on the oceans and then through the skies. But truly, truly, the ocean has been uh, the great mother of you know nations. And um, and listen, we're a peninsula. It doesn't get more oceany than that. It does not. I mean, we're surrounded on three sides plus internally. And the thing, the thing about the ocean is, she is a very jealous mistress. Yes, and hard. And she she and doesn't I'm... let go 
once she's got you, and, la- and ladies and gentlemen, this I can't reiterate this enough. Once she has your heart, she does not let it go. I started coming to Florida years ago, and every time I would leave, a little piece of me stayed. And when I got to the point in Georgia that I could no longer deal with the cold, I kept saying, I've got to move to a warmer climate. Right. And this voice kept saying, go to Florida, Yvonne. Go to the water. Go to the water. That's how I feel about Michigan as well. Like, every time I leave Michigan, I'm like, oh, man, like, right now it's, you know, 32 degrees and it's snowing. And I'm just happy as a clam. Like, I literally go outside in a T-shirt and I'm just like, oh, yes. my son is like that. He and he loves it. They lived in Ohio. My my oldest uh, son uh, is a combat soldier, and um, they have been sta- They were stationed in Ohio for the before this last uh, duty station, and he just raves. And I'm like, you are a oh, crazy yeah. person. He can't get enough. I've had so many people look at me funny because I, I walk outside in flip flops to go check the mail, yeah. and they're like, this is not Florida. Like. <laughs> Get back inside, put some socks on, maybe some shoes. Be sensible. Be sensible. Right. I know, it's true. I, I, Like I said, this this place is very unique. You have literally every kind of terrain just about, except for the snow. I mean, if you're at the coast, there are literally deserts, you know, lining mm-hmm. our coast. And so you have desert terrain. And, you know, you have semi-tropical jungles, which, you know, it just doesn't get more more mysterious or exciting than a jungle, you know. So it's, it's big fun. Anyway, yes. that's what and I, you have, I just you love, have swamps my, love where I live. You have swamps and bayous. You, you have the swamps and the bayous. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And it's just, it's, it's exciting. So Ian, well, I know of, you've got you've got questions burning. I do, and actually, I was going to say, speaking of exciting, Yvonne, you and I are like, oh, we just we line up entirely too well. Like, I'm not even trying to be, <laughs> I'm not even trying to like blow smoke. We literally just it was amazing. So, uh, as it was alluded to earlier, um, we have a special little fourth co-co-host, and I am excited to have her make her debut. At almost six years old, my daughter has oh, wow. and she wants to ask you a question as a store as a as a children's author. So Perfect. if that's okay with you, I'd like for you her bet. to uh, show showcase what she found today and what her question is. So you want to go ahead? Right. You want to read your you want to read your question to her? How do you keep your uh inner inner child? Intact. Intact. How? Okay, let me let me see if I got I got that. How do I keep my inner child intact? Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we were we were we were talking about it, and we were thinking, um, you know, for her, it's easy for her to, uh, you know, keep her inner child intact because she's still a child. But for us adults, we kind of lose that that magic and that mystery, right? So how do you keep your inner child intact when you're writing your stories? That sense of wonder. I think that for for me, I think that's what writing does for me, though. I think that that's, 
being able to go back and to remember what it felt like to see the world fresh and new and um, in, in my imagination and how we live as in, in, as children, we live in our imaginations, and I can remember playing outside under these giant oak trees that were that was at my mom and dad's house, and I would imagine little fairies, and and I would imagine all the little the little um, uh, creatures that could possibly live, you know, in the roots of this big tree. And that's what happens. You just, you sit down and you start to remember again and you remember that wonder and it's just fresh and new. And it's, writing is a wonderful, wonderful um, way to do that. So I write, I write to do that. So the next question that kind of ties along with that, and I'll let her read it for you. She actually picked this one, and when she said it, I was like, oh, man, like, my my little heart was so happy. So I was like, wow, that's actually pretty deep. So go ahead, ask your question right here, sweetie. What age did you want to be an author? That's a great question, too. You know, I don't know that I ever, I know lots of people say, oh, I I knew when I was five, or I knew when I was 10, or I knew when wherever. You know, I, I don't know, I didn't grow up thinking that I would be a writer. I just absolutely loved to read. Loved, 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 loved to read and read and read and read and read. And so for me, it wasn't really until I was older and I had read the book, you know, the, I, I knew, I, you should see, I'm sitting in a room right now and there are just hundreds of books. I'm surrounded by hundreds of books and my very favorites, I keep them. And I got to the point where I knew, I was a grown-up. I was all grown up before I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to do this. So I was a grown-up. So would it be fair to to say, Linda, would it be fair to say that advice even for someone as as young as Ian's daughter, that it's never, we are never, ever, ever too old or too young to start living our dream? Absolutely. 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 It, it it wouldn't be a dream otherwise, right? Exactly. Dream dreaming <laughs> is what we do. It's and that's that's we're back to that imagination thing again. And it, aren't our dreams just our imagination writ large? So I would say they're on steroids. You... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they certainly can be. They certainly can be. And I also know that you and I have a couple of things in common. One of them is you and I both used to get in trouble in school over math and books and writing. And <laughs> yes. Shall I confession? Yes, please do. <laughs> I promise it will not go outside of the confessional here. Well... <laughs> I already co- I already covered Winnie's ears. I'm afraid what's going to happen. Good. No. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, it's really it's really funny because I, I you know now I talk to my grandchildren. I have 16 grandchildren, by the way. So um, I, I'm I'm pretty invested in the junior you know junior uh, set. Um, and I tell them, you know, I wish that I had not been so anti-math as a young person. I I had to come to it in college. And um, 
But but there again, it kind of goes back to your dreams. You know what? I I became pretty good at math, but it it came later for me to be good at math. So I just the idea that you don't quit is the most important part. Um, but no, I often got in lots of trouble in school for reading too much. <laughs> Well, I I not only got in trouble for reading, but I got in trouble in second and third grade because I bypassed the little kids' books and went straight to the seventh and eighth grade books. Yes, yes, and how dare you? And and shame, shame. And oh no, I read it all. And and um, listen, reading, blah. There, speaking of magic, that is a magic. There's a magic in that, too. And um, I absolutely adore when children – I have. I also tutor right now uh, dyslexic readers who struggle with reading. And I, my heart just breaks sometimes for the struggle that they have because it's not that they don't want to read. It's that they literally – are having such a hard time processing and Uh it breaks it breaks my heart because um i for me it was such a lifeline um in in a difficult childhood so uh i i appreciate both sides of that that coin though And, and on that same vein we are fortunate in this age of technology that people that do struggle with dyslexia and with learning disabilities now have the availability of audible books so they at oh. least get the audible and and it's a, get that it's experience. a game changer it is. yeah it's a game changer yeah so we should be grateful yes i'm, I'm just honored Very that good. i'm um surrounded by a group of rebels because I was along the same lines too. Um, you know, when I was younger, I had, um, I have spoken about it pretty openly. I had a speech impediment and um, they thought that that was mental retardation and it was <gasps> a physical. So, yeah. So in fourth grade, and I still credit this teacher to this day, I was reading Lord of the Rings before it came out in theaters. Right. And she said, she said, you don't know what you're reading. And I'm like, no, I do. So it's about a hobbit, and it's a ring, and it's wow. this and that. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Like, we, well, I remember right. she brought me um, during lunch. She's like, I want you to read this to me. And so I started reading it to her, and she's like, oh, we've made a grave mistake. And I was always <gasps> a kid, like, in the back writing and doing stuff. So I, I'm glad to be wow. among rebels and friends today and, uh, right. you know, yeah. hear that we broke the mold, but, you know, we didn't let our, our, um, our labels define who we became. So that's really Well, sweet. I have, and that's, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you shared that experience because I, I have to tell you that, um, and I've said it many times, I said, uh, you know, with my dyslexic, um, you know, students, I just, I tell their parents, I said, the, the idea here is to keep them in the game until their brains catch up to um, to the, the material or to whatever it is that they want to accomplish. And what happens too often is that they are so beat down by the time that that happens that they don't believe it. And if you can keep their, them in the game and tell them, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, you can, that magic day does come. And it comes 
it comes as this amazing revelation. But, but the problem is, is that they don't fit into that mold. They don't, you know, they're not at a certain page on a certain day. And there are no certain pages and there are no certain days. This is just you. And yes, thank you. you. Thank you for that. Because even, even as far back as the fifties, when I was in school, and the teachers were telling my mother, well, poor little old Yvonne, she's doing the best she can. I'm a lot smarter than those people gave me credit for. Just because math was not my friend and it didn't interest me. Like you, I gra- ga- grasped math when I got in college. Right. And, and even and even before, because I worked in collections and customer service for over 40 years. you got to have a lot of math. I sewed from the time I was five years old. you got to have a lot of math. But math in school was not of an interest to me. My right. creative side needed to be nurtured right. and, and put forth, and then the math would have kicked in. But, oh, no, they took all that away. Right. And, and again, when you don't fit into that mold and you feel that, that pressure to fit into that mold, it can really do a number on, on um, just, the, the idea of your self-esteem and, you know, your capabilities and the idea that you're stupid. You're not stupid. This is not a question of stupidity. This is not a question of want to. It's a question of hang in there. <laughs> and it'll happen. And, we will get, and we'll get there. Yeah. You bet. And, and again, even I think even subconsciously, I thought I was stupid until I graduated oh, with yeah. honors in college in my 50s. And then oh, I went... Yeah. You you not a dummy after all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's never too late and it's never too early and it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing, it matters what you're doing. And and I have to blame the my my teachers too for it. I always had that, that rebel streak. I think I was born a rebel, but they, they helped to exacerbate it when they kept saying until you do this you're not doing that and you can't do this and i'm going really mm-hmm. watch this right right so, right thank you teachers sure. thank you so much i had i you know i had some great teachers and and i had some not as great but um again i think a lot of a lot of what struggle we have today in um, education is just is the structure and the structure they have to work in I remember my daughter my daughter came home from second grade and she she had not you know she had been retained in a for reading in other words she had failed and I'm like well she's in second grade how's that possible and the teacher was new and she says oh all it means is we weren't on the right page on the right day so she hadn't failed. <laughs> it was just, we weren't on the like, right page. So was there a rat in her pocket? I don't know. I don't know. I just. I, but she was. She felt terrible, and she felt terrible. She was a very new teacher, and she just didn't realize that, you know, you had to check the boxes to be able to, you know, give kids a passing grade or whatever. So I just, I felt terrible for her. And at the same time, I realized, and in that moment, I'm like, well, this is less about competency and a little more about, you know, check the box. Well, anybody can check a box, but... Yeah. And and that brings me back to this. Anybody can stand in front of a classroom and give instruction. But one of the best teachers that I ever had 
Well, actually, there were three. There was, and, and this is in from grammar school to high school. College, I had amazing teachers. In grammar school, the best teacher I ever had was my seventh grade teacher. She was amazing. In high school, I had two. I had a history teacher and a band director. They taught me more about self-respect, self-assurance, self-confidence, right. studying. Right. Right. And then in my 12th grade year, I had an English teacher that I already loved literature, but she gave me such a love of English and literature that I will right. always be grateful for her. Right. Yeah, yes. and I, when I, it, when it, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. So, like, I, I've had the same fair share of trials and tribulations with instructors as well. And I think that's the funny thing that, you know, kind of going with the Yvonne, that, like, anybody can just read the curriculum. It's the ones that, like, expand your horizons and all that. And unfortunately, um, I remember in my days, um, if they weren't expanding my horizons, I was having other people expand my horizons. So I actually remember when I was young, now my dad actually told me I could be an author. He's like, hey, you could write these books. Right. And so stuff like that. And I've tried to do that with Winnie. And I think that's something that we need to tell the listeners tonight, too, is that, like, if that child is not finding the stimulation that they need in the classroom, that it's not a lost cause. You just have to find other ways to find that. Because that's actually been one of my like stepping stones of life, you know, even as a, as a supervisor today to other people, you know, one of the first questions I ask them is like, Hey, how do you learn? And they just look at me like, I just like spoke Spanish. I'm like, no, do you need to do it? Like see it once, do it once. Do you need right. to hear it? Do you need to read right. it? And I don't, I think we're getting better about that. But I think it's been a long, long road that we actually finally figured out, like, hey, people just don't learn off of PowerPoint and textbooks. Like, some people need a little bit of extra. And it's really unfortunate that we label them what we label them when it's just we're not reaching right. them the way they need to be reached. Right. Well, I it has always been my opinion about most things in life that one size has never fit all. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> we are not cookie cutters. No, we are not. And, no, and, we are and, not. And 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 that's going to take me right back to your. Well, you ran out of books to read. Then you decided you were going to write. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in the industry of authorship. As a general rule, an author, if they are, um, shall we say, sponsored by one of the big six, they're put into a box. And that box is one genre, period. You do not deviate from that genre. And it doesn't matter if you write the same scenario with different characters over and over again. You write in the same genre. However... Once again, Linda and I have this thing in common. When Linda ran out of things to read, she decided to write. (laughs) She made up her mind that she was going to write a book in every genre. Now, there's hundreds, hundreds of genres out there, to name a few. There's there's fiction, but in that fiction, there's sci-fi, there's fantasy, there's erotica, there's paranormal. 
So you have fiction, but then you have all of these little tentacles that wander out of that genre. Linda, to date, how many books have you written and how many different genres, including your children's books? Uh, that's, uh, I have 27 titles on Amazon. Um, the genres I have, I have to actually, <laughs> I'm in my office, so I have to kind of look around. Um, so far, post-apocalyptic science fiction. I have written fantasy. I have written, I started with humor and I started writing a blog years and years ago and I started to put those together as a collection. And so I've, I've written humor. I've written, um, an inspirational book, and I've written children's chapter books. Now, the children's chapter books are historical fiction and fantasy, and that's kind of where I am to date. I've got two books coming out pretty soon that are that are um, young adult urban fantasy, and I, I listen, it's great. I love doing it this way. The problem is marketing is a real stinker because yes, I know what I it is. I know why. I know why the book industry does it the way they do it because it is so difficult to um, to market books now because of the just the glut of of all, all of the different um, sources that we have now, and and it is hard to get your head above water, and especially because I don't to a genre I and I don't have pen names because I was pretty sure I couldn't even keep track of my own name let alone pen names so um, it's all under one name and it's it can be confusing to your readers and I'm working on that as we speak but don't ask me what the solution is because I don't know <laughs> you know you know what I say because you and I are mavericks we just go with it. They either find us or they yep. don't. If they want to find us bad enough, they'll find us because we're not that hard to find. That's right. And, you know, I heard – I did hear a, a podcaster the other day say, listen, you just keep writing and your audience will find you. And I thought, you know, it was very comforting. I thought because I just thought, oh, I'm just failing so desperately. And now, I, you know what? They'll find me. You're right. They'll find you. You are right. They will find <laughs> You've been over how many things you've you've potentially read and have deemed it as like, oh, that's not my cup of tea, but they have this giant fan fiction crowd and they, you know, have fans that wait for their book releases. Like, yeah. I, I, I agree with that sentiment. I, I think that's a powerful sentiment. And I think another thing is if you if your crowd doesn't find you, you can create something to where they can, like, you know, I, I heard you mention your, your marketing's been kind of a bear, but, um, you know, if one platform doesn't work, why can't another or another or sure. another? And, and I, I think people well, get so pigeonholed in, into one, you know, I have to be on Amazon. Well, no, you don't. You can make your own website. Right. You can do this it, it and can, do doesn't, that. It, doesn't it kind of go back to the philosophy we've been talking about, which is one size does not fit all, and yes, oh, we yeah. can figure this out, and yes, I'm smart, and, you know, um, I'll figure it out. And, and um, you know, I think the biggest thing with with whatever you have endeavored to do, and that's persistence. Nothing beats persistence. Nothing beats persistence. Nothing. And you just keep on keeping on. I like uh, how this show, not only do we have the youngest co-co-host, but we also have the first 
theme that has literally been like intercepting every conversation that we've had tonight. Usually off the chain is like, hey, let's talk about books. And now let's talk about puppies. And that's what our listeners like. But today, I mean, that is the theme. One size does not fit all. We all came from different backgrounds. And I was just telling uh, my daughter about that, the power of diversity, diversity of people and diversity of thinking and how you get five people in, in a room and you can outthink any situation. And, sure. you know, it, I think it was a little bit too much for her at this time. She's like, yeah, it's cool, Dad. Give me, give me, give me YouTube. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> My wisdom is lost. But you get what I'm saying. That, you know, no, I, I'm just kidding. But you get what I'm saying that, like, you know, that there is a lot of power behind that. And um, Yes, absolutely. Nice well, to, you know, I've, I've, I've often joked about plagiarism, you know, and if somebody copies something I've done, and pe- new writers are always worried that somebody's going to copy their stuff. And I always say, I hope somebody copies my stuff, then I can sue them into oblivion. But I, I – and then I, I joke about it, and I say, listen, let them go ahead and copy my stuff because um, I know I can always write new stuff. There you go. <laughs> and that's – there you go. I, you know, it is. It's less about um, staying in one place and just keep moving. Now, the, my, my historical fiction books. I'm really proud of them. I, um, I've got two right now. One's called um, Moon Calf, and the other is South of the Moon. And as I said in the beginning, I grew up on the Space Coast. And Yvonne, you know, it was yep. what a time we have, we have lived in. An absolutely astonishing time. I watched with my family men go to the moon from my front yard. I watched them walk on the moon. And so I just, that that period of history is just, we were there. We were there. We and were. I love, I love to tell those stories because I, I don't want them to be forgotten. And, and we lived, our generation lived in a uh, unique time because it was, it was a time of change in that yes. we had just come out of the Second World War. We had just gone into Korea. We had just had the missile crisis. Then we went from there right into Vietnam for ever and a day, I mean. We fought with Khrushchev for 150 years it seemed like and <laughs> it felt like it felt like we put a man on the moon while Russia was still playing with the monkeys and we saw a revolution in the 60s that has never been replicated nor duplicated we saw music take a complete 180 and yeah. give our our parents' generation's cardiac arrest. We saw <laughs> foreign trade go through the roof, which I think was probably a detriment. But we we have seen things and done things. It was indeed not only a cultural; it was an industrial; it was a societal. It was a revolution of a different kind, and it's never been replicated. Right. Right. And I, do you remember, I, I, can, I can to this day remember um, John F. Kennedy's uh, funeral. 
I can remember being yep. a little kid and being so angry because the cartoons weren't on. And um, I just couldn't figure out what was, you know, my mother was crying and my, my, it was, it was, I remember that we were there. We were there. Yep. We watched it in, in, I was in seventh grade and we watched it daily. I got so bored with it. And I'm thinking to myself, yes. how much crap can these news people talk about? I mean, <laughs> enough already. Yeah. Move on to something I, else. Sadly, the man is dead, but just get move on. Well, you know, you know, the Chinese saying, of course, is, you know, may you live in interesting times. And surely have we not lived in interesting times we have we we have yeah, that's, indeed that's the, the kind of sad thing it's like you guys have these these big historical memories and i think i'm not i'm not going to make you guys feel too bad but since 1990 <laughs> um the only big historical event i can think of is 9-11 for me right. yeah right that's true that is i true. mean i've literally that- I yeah. literally saw when we started, and I've seen when we ended. Wow. And I think, and wow. I think, uh, you know, like my daughter, and I'm like, well, what's the biggest thing that she's seen? And unfortunately, and, you know, the story's going to go in the archives, and we're going to hear it years down the road. The only big thing that she knows is COVID. And that's <gasps> so unfortunate. Like, so some of her most, like, intimate you know, beginning memories is us literally not being even able to touch each other and flights being canceled because we can't go. Now, granted, these are all, you know, I'm I'm not talking about the validity of COVID or anything like that, but when you think about it, it's like, man, like, to just literally some of your earliest memories is seeing half of somebody's face and not being able to hug them. Like, it just hurts my heart so bad. Right. And and someday, you know, and again, your daughter said, you know, how do you keep that inner child, right? And and so um, someday, you know, she'll write a book and she'll process and she'll be able to, through her writing, you know, someday perhaps she'll be able to go back and, and, and teach the world a lesson that she learned um, the way we learned things when we were children and and. And now we get to sit down and process and tell the stories around that fire. And, and you know, it is that eternal, um, the eternal attraction of having a good story well told. There is nothing like it. Hooray for authors. Hooray for writers and storytellers. And, and, right. and she best- actually she perked up a little bit because she was just talking about that today. <laughs> She was the, like, I want to be a, a writer like you, Dad, and Yvonne, and, and our guest, and yada, yada. I'm like, oh, honey, like, you got many more authors in your life than that, and you have plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and the, best, the best authors out there are the authors that lived something. I know that doesn't it, make any but it but you and yeah, I understand no, it, I, I know exactly what you are saying. People that have lived and have something to say. And 
and I, you know, which, which, you know, you talk about hurting your heart. I, it kind of hurts my heart that people of an age feel like or are overlooked or might be ignored by the industry because, oh, you know, you don't have 10 books in you or you don't have a trilogy in you or whatever. And I, and I'm here to say that when I was 18, my writing would have, my books would have been a lot different than now that I am 63. And exactly. I, I, I have processed, I have learned, I am, I am a wiser woman with stories to tell. And anybody, again, back to the, back to the thing, it is never too late. It is never too late to tell your story. And to tell it well. And to tell it well, which, which unfortunately is, is um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in craft and in studying my craft and in practicing my craft. And I picked up several books just last week, and I just went, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> These are, wow. And, 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 on and that, I, but on that same vein, Linda, each artist, whether it's um, in painting or music, songwriting, performing, authors, any art, the person that is doing that particular craft, they have to be able to be comfortable doing them, not emulating yeah. or copying someone else. Sure. In other words, I don't want to write like John Grisham. Number one, John Grisham bores me. I certainly don't want to write like um, Stephen King because I would bore myself. So <laughs> I, we have to be comfortable being true to our craft, not someone else's craft. I. I, I like that a lot. And they and supposedly each writer, when you find your voice, has like a distinctive cadence and a distinctive sound and a distinctive a distinctive feel to it. And it is literally unique. And um, they've done studies in you know literature and all of that sort of thing that each writer has their own pattern. Isn't that interesting? It's almost like like your the fingerprint of your writing. And, Correct. um, yeah. And so I, I, again, I think it's important that we, we study our craft and that we hone our craft, but if it, if it's not fabulous today, it will be better tomorrow and better after that and better after that. Way in, Ian. Well, we the unfortunate thing is, uh, this is why Stephen King and John Grisham hasn't come on the show yet, because Siobhan always attacks them every time, every time. <laughs> Stephen King actually said, you want to come on the show and invite him, and, and she said, good. And I'm like, Siobhan, <laughs> no, um, that, that didn't happen. That should be but um, no, I mean, I agree with it too, and I think that's the unfortunate thing is that um, I'm starting to see it more as I get older. The older I get, the more everything is just regurgitated or redone. Or I even started hearing that in music. You know, um, obviously with with Winnie, her music is a lot different than my music um, that I listen to. She's got the power of YouTube and all that. But when I'm listening to it, I'm like, I know where like that 
that beats or that that um, grouping of, of of sound came from. It came right. from this song, and right. I would literally play that song for her and say, "Look, like this is a daddy song. It's a you song now." So I like finding your own voice and your own sound and all that. I'm you've always always been saying that and advocating for that. Um, but you know, it, it's hard because yeah. you, you really sometimes you don't know if you sound like you or you sound like someone else. And I've sure. been accused I've been accused of that before. Where they're like, Oh yeah, this book sounds just like fill in the blank. I'm like, that's probably sure. one of the worst things you could tell an author. Like, oh yeah, your book just sounds like Harry Potter except different. Oh, thank you. Like that was I, I don't do you think though I guess what I I guess what I want to say to that is, do you think that um, people really want innovation? Do they really, you know? I just I always think about Edward Scissorhands. You know, everybody talks about being different and unique, but in the end, not really. Um, you know, they it, it's really I don't know, Ian. I I, I worry about that sometimes. Are we? is there a place for true creativity anymore? You know, people want, they love Harry Potter and they want more Harry Potter. And then Harry I Potter mean, runs out. And yeah. uh, I'm not sure that's a bad thing though. I'm not sure it's a bad thing to give people what they are looking for, or what they want, but then their I minds think, don't expand. Right. Exactly. Well, I think, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like cheesy, but, Innovators want innovation. I mean, I don't want to read Harry Potter. If I want to read Harry Potter, I can read Harry Potter. Yes, you could have some right. scenes of Harry Potter, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm satisfied with that, but it's the continual remakes. When I go to movie theaters and uh, I see a movie, it's uh-huh. literally a remake on the movie that I was perfectly happy with 10 or 15 uh-huh. years ago, and I'm throwing the dice if I'm going to like it again or not. I mean, there's yeah. one other side about they're, re- they're uh, adding the fourth Matrix, right? And I remember seeing that when I was a kid and, like, loving it. You know what I mean? Right. But when I saw it in theaters, I got excited. But, again, as an author and someone who likes art, I'm also like, really? We've, we've, we've seriously ran out of ideas that we're bringing back a movie that right. we watched 15 years ago to make it – new and exciting so the kids go and buy one through three and complain that the graphics right. look bad. Right. Those well, graphics see, were not you, bad. They were amazing. See, now <laughs> you've encouraged me. See, now I'm encouraged because I get, you know, I get caught up in that in that trap of, you know, right to market and write what people want, and then you can be a millionaire and yay. <laughs> I think, oh, I'm, I can't. I but see, if you write, but, but, but Linda, if you write to market – or if you write to whatever the latest trend is out there, then you begin to lose your identity and your uniqueness. And I guess that's one of the reasons that people always, people put me in one of two categories. They either hate me and hate me vehemently, or they're not really sure about me because they don't know if I'm going to switch on a dime or not. But what they underestimate is I am the same regardless. I am me. Right. I am not going to change. I march to my own band. I even write the music. And, and one cannot push me into a box because when they do, it gets ugly. 
So <laughs> be you, do you, write you. Those that want to read you will find you. I've seen a lot of beautiful I, people and a lot of people that I admire get lost because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses or they get sure. a little bit of infamy. And I sure. like literally, maybe it's just because I haven't had that infamy and that money, but six times out of ten when somebody just gets that little bit of fame, it, it just kills them. Like it literally, they just become a new person. And I'm just like, wow. you were True. such a beautiful soul and now you think – because you were this, that you're, you know, the be-all of, of art. Like, no. Like, you were such a beautiful right. soul. And you just got corrupted by whatever, <laughs> you know? Well, now I feel encouraged. See, I needed to talk to you guys tonight. I needed to sit down, and I needed yeah. to hear this, because it's just so dang tempting. <laughs> Don't fall into that. Okay. It, let let okay. This radio show ran for several years. We we had 500,000-plus listeners in just about every country in the world. This radio show is, is still all over the world. Been on the TV six times, internationally and nationally. I am known by people that I don't even know. But does that make me, as Ian says, any better than the janitor? Yeah. That cleans my church building. Right. No, it does not. No. I am still it's me. True. I I am not going to get a a bigger head just because people say, Yvonne, I see you on TV. Uh, that's nice. I love it. Thank you very much. I'm glad that you, the story is getting out there. But the story is not about me. The story is about the victims. We have to stay sure. humble, and we have to understand that we're going to do us and be us. And if people want to find us, again, I say they will. I think and you're actually, right. I'm it's convinced. unfortunate because our chapter is closing real soon, isn't it, Yvonne? For tonight, at least. Yes. In, in about six minutes, our, our hour will be oh up. Oh, <laughs> You said it would happen this way, and you were right. I was right. <laughs> I've done this enough times. I know how fast this hour goes, especially when we're talking about something that is so exciting and something that is so informative. Because the purpose of this show is not for our guests to know Linda Zern, the author, which they will know Linda Zern, the author. We want them to know Linda L. Zern, the person who writes books. Thank you. Thank you. Because that uh, makes my. This is my maiden voyage. So there you go. And and who knows where this goes. But my question is, will you come back? Oh, are you kidding? This has been a pleasure. I have totally enjoyed this. This <laughs> was a delight. I'm loving it. Thank you it so much for inviting me. And it wasn't scary at all, was it? No. In fact, no. <laughs> no, I thank you for that, too. I'm so happy that it was not scary. Well, most people come on and they're scared to death because they say, I don't know what I can talk about for an hour. So do you leave that up to us? We'll pull things out because that's what we do. Well, We're very good at this. Great. You guys are super great. So this has been fun. So are are you going to be in um, in Agali this month? Are you going to be up I, there? I, no. No, I didn't. Um, we've had a heck of a year. Uh 
personally, we've, it's been a heck of a year. So we're kind of regrouping right now, and um, I'm, I'm taking, we're taking it one day at a time for a little bit. So, well, when you when when you go to the next event, let me know ahead of time because I'll get a table. I will tell the group to give us a table next to each other. I would we love have, it, Yvonne. That sounds fabulous. We have fun next to each other. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Linda and I have sat next to each other in an event, and and we have really had fun that's all i'm gonna say but we have had fun (laughs) so linda in this last three minutes have you got any words of wisdom that you can throw out there in about 30 seconds you know um i just honestly it's like this doing this interview tonight i this was this was not in my wheelhouse i've never done this before and and yet you know what? You just need to dive on in. The water is fine. <laughs> it's seventy. It's seventy-four degrees and warmest toast. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, we will have author Neil Ricky on. And then next Monday, my friend Mary Brotherton will be joining us. She is the founder and editor of Be Unique Magazine. Then on Tuesday night. We will have a gentleman by the name of Chad Coleman. This will be his first time on the show. Then we will take a break until the following week, and I'm not sure who's going to be on, but I'm sure it'll be a great show. And our startup songs for all of these shows will be Christmas songs from our indie artists that have released songs because we want to get them out there. Now, ladies and gentlemen, go and find Linda. Her website is under Linda L. Zern, and you will find her on Amazon. You'll find her on Facebook. Make friends with her on Facebook because she is simply an amazingly beautiful, empowered woman. We didn't even talk about the horses this time. So when we bring you back, we'll talk about the horse. No, see, it just got by. You need to bring me back. Absolutely. (laughs) Ian, you have any real quick words? Yeah, um, so just, again, kind of a attitude of gratitude. Thank you for letting Winnie debut and allowing me to uh, kind of pass on, you know, the art of uh, radio to her. And hopefully she remembers it for a long time. And, you know, I really do appreciate you two letting her come on. So thank you for no, that. And I'll pass it off. It was a delight. Off and and hey, who what's knows? Your, what's your words of wisdom, Winnie? Do you have any words of wisdom for everybody? Uh, I don't know what words of wisdom is. I'm only a kindergarten. Did you really just do that? That's her words of wisdom, Ian. Keep the inner child, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Keep the inner child. Be a kindergartner. A kindergartner. <laughs> Always be a kindergartner. So with yep. that, I, I mean, like you cannot top that. So join us again tomorrow night as we bring on author Neil Rickey. Linda, thank you so much for joining me, sweetheart. I will hook up with you to get you back on the show after the first of the year. Ian, I'll talk to you tomorrow night. This is Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Ian Bush, and our little co-host, co-host, his daughter, Winnie. Our guest, the wonderful, beautiful strong-willed, empowered woman, (laughs) Linda L. Zern, who I absolutely love. Go find her, and we will see you all again tomorrow night. Linda, thank you, and I will be talking to you soon. You bet, and thank you.
Good night, Good night. everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>